I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are, are stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought, favor, sought the favor of the Lord God, his God. Lord, Yahweh, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants Abraham. Isaac and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. I will give your descendants all this land that I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Moses turned and went down the mountain with two tablets of the covenant law in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back, the tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, There is the sound of war in the camp. Moses replied, It is not the sound of victory. It is not the sound of defeat. It is the sound of singing that I hear. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf that the people had made and burned it in fire. Then he ground it to powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. He said to Aaron, What did these people do to you that you led them into such great sin? Do not be angry, my Lord, Aaron answered. You know how prone these people are to evil. They said to me, Make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So I told them, Whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave me the gold, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. Moses saw that the people were running wild. And that Aaron had let them get out of control and so become a laughing stock to their enemies. So he stood at the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites rallied to him. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each man strap a sword to his side, go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. The Levites did as Moses commanded, and that day about 3,000 of the people died. Then Moses said, You have been set apart to the Lord this day, for you were against your own sons and brothers, and he has blessed you this day. The next day Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin, but now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what a great sin this people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. The Lord replied to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now go lead the people to the place I spoke of, and my angel will go before you. However, when the time comes for me to punish, I will punish them for their sin. And the Lord struck the people with a plague because of what they did with the calf Aaron had made. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Um, we've, uh, we've had the joy of... Joy? After that? Anyway, <laughs> we've had the joy of reading this book by Paul David Tripp on Wednesday nights with uh, other parents. And, uh, and the, what, we've, what we've come to so far is that parenting is really hard. Um, and that it's a calling of God and we, we, have, we need God's grace. 
to show God's grace or some of the, the things we've talked about thus far in that book. But as, as we've been thinking about parenting, I've been thinking about parenting more. And, 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 and raising kids is really hard, especially when it comes to discipline. And you're in that, you know, like, we want our kids to obey, and yet we also want to show grace and mercy. And we're in this constant, we feel a tension. I don't, they're, they're, they're not against each other. I want, I'm not trying to set up a false dichotomy, of, but there is a tension there, right? Um, I, I'm the authority. I'm the parent. I've told you to do this. There's got to be consequences. Uh, if there's not, there's no consequences. Then you know, uh, there's there's chaos. <laughs> but but it can't be just this rigid uh, harshness. There's, there's got to be grace. There's got to be... We're, we're, we're not just trying to change behavior. We're trying to change the heart. And so we're in that tension. And it's hard to, to have a measured response to disobedience. And uh, I can just tell you, and we've, we've basically... The most com- one of the most comforting things is we've, we've gone around the room and talked about how we have failed. <laughs> we failed in one way or the other. Being... You know, being uh, too lenient and just being tired of discipline and just, you know, there's that part of it. But also just, I think for most of us, most of the time, we're just too harsh. And so in that tension, I, I came to this, as I'm thinking about these things, I come to this text. And maybe you felt that way. Whoa! Grant, all, we've, all you've been doing, all we've been seeing in the book of Exodus is what? Instead of it just being a book of rules, it's about God's faithfulness and God's love and God's covenant promises and, and His desire to draw near to His people and His people to draw near to Him. And I'm telling you, all that's true. Chapter 32 doesn't undo that. But what do we do with it? What do we do with it? What do we, where's, the, where's the balance? It seems God's just burning anger against His covenant people. This statement of, Moses, leave me alone because I'm just done with them. And then changing his mind. What? What do we do with all this? Well, there's four things. We're going to break this down in four, four ways. One, we're going to look at this text and see and think about, first, the idolatry of Israel. Second, we're going to look and, and think about the relenting of Yahweh. Thirdly, the results of unrighteousness, and then th- fi- fourthly, the necessity of a mediator. The idolatry of Israel, the relenting of Yahweh, the result of unrighteousness, the necessity of a, of a mediator. It's fair to say that when Moses descended the mountain, it was all downhill. Um, that was a joke. I worked hard on that. Anyway... That was a good dad joke to start off there. Um, it, it <laughs> you know, Moses. Imagine, I just I could imagine Moses writing forty days in the glory of God. God, you know, writing the tablets, having the tablets in his hands. I'm going to go down. I'm going to share it with them. He goes, God's like, oh, by the way, you need to go. Oh, okay, good. No, no, no. <laughs> Let me tell you what's going on. Let me tell you what's happened. And we start off this book, this text, by, by looking at this, this chapter with the people. We've we've been up there with this with Moses and, and God, and we've and uh, we've 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 been hearing from him and the description of the tabernacle, the description of, of of what to do to consecrate the priests. And now, meanwhile, at the camp, what's happening? The people have grown impatient. The people have are say, are basically. I mean, look at this. After all that's happened, and you read this, and you go, for us reading it, it doesn't seem like much time has passed, but for 40 days, that's a long time, you know? It's not long for us as adults. Like, that's, that's like a little over a month. That's nothing. For kids, it's like 40 days. It's forever. It's like 10 years, you know? Uh, if, you're, if you're seven, a month. Oh, wow. Uh, but for, you know, but 40, 40 days have gone by. And he's up on the mountain. And again, the mountain is on fire. It's the glory of God is upon it. They can see that. They see, they've heard God's voice. They see God's, you know, visibly present, manifesting himself and his glory on top of the mountain. We know that Moses is up there. And after, uh, you know, a, a few days, 40 days or so, they go, uh, this Moses guy seems to have forgotten about us. This Moses guy seems to be, uh, you know, he, he might be dead for all we know. 
Uh, we've been here a while. We, how are we going to move forward? How are we going to move forward to this land we've heard about? Uh, and they turn to Aaron and say, Make us gods that we can follow. You note that it didn't take long after, ver- after chapter 24, before Moses ascends the mountain. We're going to keep the covenant. We're going to keep your law. And then 40 days goes by and then they're going, you know what, we, we need a replacement. We need a representative. We need something that's going to help us, a focal point. Moses seems to be gone. I, you know, I'm tired of waiting for him. Let's, let's go back to the old ways. And that's really what's happened. A lot of, some people ask me, why a calf? You know? Why, why a cow? Why, why that? And if you go back and you, you, know, you realize that a number of the gods of Egypt were represented by bulls or, or cows. Uh, at least three of them had either the head of a bull or the horns of a bull. It symbolized power, might. And you note also they don't say make us a god. They say make us gods. They're going back to, to Egypt, right? They're, they're forgetting all the plagues. And what did the plagues do? The plagues demonstrated what? That Yahweh is, was a greater God, that these other gods were false and not worth worshiping. But they've gone back to this, what they've lived in for 400 years, for many generations, this, this, uh, this uh, polytheism. We, we need uh, gods to lead us. And uh, as it was common with Egypt, one picture, one, one uh, idol can, can kind of you know, demonstrate and point to many different gods. And, and so make us this calf. And you may go, I expect that from the people, but, but not the high priest, right? Come on, Aaron. <laughs> you know? Now he he had, he doesn't he hasn't been made the high priest yet. These all the what, you know the setting apart and the calling of Aaron has already you know been told to to, to told to uh, Moses, but 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 he hasn't hasn't happened yet. And but he's left Aaron and and her H U R in charge. He's not, the second guy's nowhere to be found here. You're like what's he doing, right? But Aaron um, goes uh, okay. He falls into the, the trying to please the people and, and pacify their needs and, and, and he makes them an idol. And, but then he goes, look, look it rep, at least he's saying it represents Yahweh. We're going to have a feast to Yahweh. So the people are saying these are the gods that are going to lead us and Aaron is at least going, well, it really represents Yahweh. But in all of this, whether he's trying to do right or not, they've, it, within, within 40 days they have broken not only the first commandment, and the second commandment, it also leads to what? Aaron breaking the ninth commandment. Y'all caught that? I said it, I kind of read it in a humorous way. Because, I, you know, hey, this, just, this thing just popped out of the fire. Moses, it's, it's miraculous. It came out looking that way. But you know, when, when Moses is writing it down, um, he poured it in a cast and then carved it with a tool. Like it was very intentional. And if my brother lied to me that way, I'd probably call him out on it. <laughs> Moses doesn't do that. But you see that this idolatry leads to lying, leads to covering up. It, it sounds a lot like what? It sounds a lot like Genesis 3, doesn't it? What, what have you done? It was this woman you gave me. Aaron's like, what have you, what have you done, Aaron? It's these people that you left me with. <laughs> and it wasn't my fault. But sin, sin is... So present, and it doesn't take long, doesn't take long for the impatience of God's people to lead them to look for idols. And, and, and that seems to be it, doesn't it? The impa- be, being impatient. I, I, want, I want God to, be, to work on my terms, in my timing, in my way. And you know, Moses has been gone over a month. I, I'm going to look at something else. And if you think about those terms, that's exactly what happens in your heart and mind, doesn't it? That it's, it's this idea of, as we have to, sometimes the Lord, oh, oftentimes the Lord makes us wait on Him. Wait on answers to prayer. Wait on, we're going through a hard time. We're going through a struggle. We're going, and you go, well, they've got manna and water from the mountain and they can see God's glory on the mountain. What, what's the hard time? But they're, they're, they're waiting. And they don't know the plan. They don't know. God didn't say, He didn't say, hey, I'm going to be back in 40 days. There was none of that. He just went up there. 
If they start looking for something else to pacify, to satisfy, to, to give them direction, to give them hope, and without waiting on the God who's already given them so many reasons to trust Him and to hope in Him and rely on Him. For you and me, we do that, don't we? When, when help doesn't come in the time we want, when we pray for God to God for help, when we, we seek Him and, and it just feels like there's no answer, we can look to success. We can look to our vocations. We can look to uh, our, just something, even good things, to satisfy the needs of our heart. But it's, again, we, as, we, as we read this, this quote from Cornelius Plantinga, that all that's going to do is just dry us up. Leave us in a just a husk of this 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 dried up, withered away form of humanity. Because the only way we can really be satisfied is in God Himself. But you note it was it was the impatience, the not knowing, that made them turn back to turn to idols, turn to false gods. And this was serious. This was serious. How do we know it's serious? <laughs> Because God says, I need you to go back down there. But here's what I'm going to do. This people deserves to be wiped out. This people, and you note at this point that, that he's referred to, God's referred to Israel as his people. And he goes, the, the people that he led out of, of Egypt... He's taken, I led you out of Egypt. You're my people. Now he goes, your people, Moses, <laughs> that you let out. They've broken the covenant. They've sinned against me. They've broken the first and second commandment. And by the way, he knows, foreknowing, and Aaron's going to break the ninth. While I'm giving you and explaining to you how you draw to near to me, as this is happening, as this wonderful moment in the history of, of Israel is happening, as the mediator goes up on the mountain to, to hear from God and bring the word to God's people, they break His commands. And God says, what? Enough. What do we do with that? I mean, this should be, this as you read this, it should be shocking. Go back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start over, Moses, with you. And then Moses. Moses, it says, verse 11. Sought the favor of the Lord. He pleads. Not for himself. And think about that. You might imagine if it were you going, Okay. You're going to start off with me? Okay. You're right. They're not that great. I've been around them for a while. It's been really hard. It's been really hard. Um, I don't know why I started sounding like Trump there. Anyway, um, if Trump were Moses, how would that go? Anyway, it would be bad. Anyway, okay. Um, but, but Moses here is moved to compassion. And he pleads. He pleads. For God's people. And, the, and, 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 he, and he does it. But nobody doesn't say. He doesn't say, hey, God, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's just two. It's just two out of ten. They haven't broken the... Oh, Aaron. Okay, never mind. Okay, three. It's just three. He doesn't do that. He doesn't downplay the seriousness of sin. He, but he argues he makes a plea based on what? Three things. He's going to God and he goes, God, the Israelites are not just my people, they're your people. You brought them out of the land of Egypt. Next he says, it goes, remember, they belong to you. You've made these promises to them. And then secondly, he goes, if, if you did this, if they got what they deserve, then Egypt and all of our enemies would mock you. They would go, well, that was futile. That was ridiculous. He just took them out to the desert just to kill them. What kind of God is Yahweh? 
And then thirdly, he pleads and says, remember your promise. Your promise to Abraham, Isaac, and note he says, not Jacob, but Israel. The covenant name God gave to him. You are now Israel. He goes, this people is the the embodiment, the fulfillment of the promises you made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Please, consider your own glory. Consider your own, your own, your, 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 your victories and, and the, the, the derision it would bring to you if you did this. Consider your promise. He pleads the promises, the glory of God to God. And what does it say in verse 14? The Lord relented. He did not bring on His people the disaster He had threatened. What? This has troubled a lot of folks, but I, I, I don't think we need to struggle with this, and here's why. This is not an example, if you think about it, does God actually change His mind? Good job. Let's pray. No, anyway, okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> we could stop there. It's good. Uh, but what is, what's he doing? He starts out being the, cove- the, co- the, the faithful covenant-keeping God, and he ends up being what? The faithful covenant-keeping God. What is he doing here? Is he toying with Moses? I don't think so. But what he is demonstrating, what he is being serious about, is what? What covenant-breaking deserves. What sin deserves. And his covenant faithfulness doesn't change the ugliness of sin. And who's being offended, who's being sinned against. It's God himself. And essentially that... For God to not hold us to, hold each of us accountable to our own sinfulness is in His mercy and love, relenting. Another way to uh, translate this and the way uh, Dr. Courage says is this, maybe better to say, and he, was, and he had compassion on His people. He had compassion on them. The anger is not an off... You know, we see burning anger and we are fierce anger. Some The ESV says fierce. Other translations, burning anger. We go, that sounds like someone unhinged. It sounds like God's just off the rails. Going back to thinking about parenting. Have I ever felt that way? Yeah. <laughs> Where my passions, desires, my own flesh get the better of me and I'm, you know it's, it's but th- this is different this is God's righteous anger he's not sinning in this anger he's not, he's just, this is the just desert of sin, of breaking the covenant y'all said in, tw- in chapter 24 now that's not, they didn't have it broken up in chapters then right, but you had said I will keep every word and then he goes, they haven't they, can't, they, they, they messed up And Moses is moved to to compassion. And really what we find out is that Moses, through this, his heart is changed and made into more like Yahweh's heart toward his people. Yahweh says, this is what they deserve. And Moses goes, but, but, but you are glorious. You are merciful. You, have, you are the, the God who, who, who achieved victory over Egypt and these false gods. You are the covenant-keeping God. By no means should you reject your people. And God goes, exactly. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He relents. He shows compassion. And that's the basis of the gospel. It's God's compassion to sinners. Next, thirdly, the result of unrighteousness. So that you might just go, well, okay. Moses is like, hey. You know, he pleads. Please don't do this. 
You might imagine Moses is going to come down from the mountain and go, Hey, I talked to him, don't worry about it. <laughs> what does Moses do? I see myself in Moses here. I go, who's ever thrown something in anger? I, uh, never mind. Anyway, um, he comes down. Joshua's like, I don't know what's going on, th- on down there. And he's like, I do. <laughs> Basically, this is not, this is not the battle. It's, it's, they're just, they're, there's a party for all the wrong reasons. And so he goes down there. And when he actually lays eyes on it, not only has Moses, his heart been changed and conformed to God's in that he shows compassion, he also at that point has the righteous anger. And this mediator, this go-between, pleads for the people, but then also as he comes down and sees the sin, he is righteously enraged at how the people would reject their loving, faithful God. And he throws down the tablets. Now, was this sinful? I don't think so. Imagine, see, okay, you're a party and they look up and there Moses is. <laughs> hey, he's not coming back. There he is. And he's holding these tablets written by God himself and he just throws them down. What's he saying? He's saying, you've ruined it. You've made this void, people. We don't deserve this anymore. <laughs> It's written by the very finger of the hand of God. And he says that expressly. He goes, by the way, just note, this is written by God, by his finger, by his hand, and that's what he breaks. He goes to Aaron. What have you done? What have you done? I don't know. It just jumped out that way. Anyway. You know how you throw gold in the fire and it just comes out as a bull? You know that? No, I don't know that. Um... Note, Aaron doesn't repent and, and plead the way Moses does. It's the opposite. It's, hey, that's not a, it's really not that bad. Don't be angry when that bad. I didn't send that bad. They did, but anyway. We know that sin, it's just, you know, God shows compassion and relents, but Moses comes down now representing God to the people and does what? Shows that unrighteousness deserves punishment. That's what happens next, isn't it? They're all spared, but yet still the mediator, uh, Moses, comes down and there's, there's, there's a res- result. There's, there's consequences for unrighteousness. First of all, he's angry. He breaks the, the, the tablets next. He makes them grind it up and drink. I mean, I've never ha- have tried to drink gold before, powdered gold. And, you know, a lot of people are like, what does that symbolize? And the only way to really find something similar to this is go to Numbers 5. You go to Numbers 5, there's consequences for adultery. And one of the consequences of a woman commits adultery, she has to take the dust from the, from the floor of the tabernacle, put it in water, and drink it. So there's this, that's the only other thing you come up with. This idea, but it's this idea of the, the, the guilt... And I, and I guess, you know, in the tabernacle there's no blood there, but this that you you need to own, you need to accept the, the iniquity of your own sin. There's also this, one commentator said there's this idea of, let me show you how worthless this idol is. <laughs> You're going to drink it, and guess what happens after that? That's what I think about idols. They're going to pass through you and leave you empty. Kind of graphic, sorry. Anyway, there's discipline in that sense, but also as he gets there and talks to Aaron and is enacting this punishment and, and destroying this idol, there's still over 3,000 people carrying on reveling in and worshiping this false god. And Moses says, Who is on the Lord's side? His tribe comes forward, and the result is, take, you know. Deal with these rebellious people that have not turned back, that have not relented, that have not repented. And he kills 3,000. They kill 3,000 men. Gone. And on top of that, later, (laughs) there's a plague. So, we see... 
the idolatry of Israel, we see the relenting of Yahweh's out of, out of compassion, again, based on His character and on His covenant promises. But we, we can't leave this encounter thinking that sin is not a big deal. Like, it, it deserves death. Their covenant curses come upon some of God's people to show that, no, this is serious. And, you're, and that the only way, and this brings us to our fourth point, the only comfort, the only way you can know that you're okay is by looking to God's mercy and compassion and the work of a mediator. You, Israel, can't keep this covenant. And then, think about this. When he tells them, when he's about to tell them how to draw near and these sacrifices and the the, the different types of sacrifices and the function of the priest, they're all going to get it now. Think about that. If not for this encounter, if not for this incident, they might go, well, I mean, are we really that bad? Is my sin really... That big a deal? Will anybody in this generation be like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, it's a big deal. Oh, I, yes. I need atonement. God is serious about His covenant and serious about us keeping that covenant with Him. And, but we can't do it. Clearly we can't. We're left to our own devices for 40 days and we, and we mess it up. The result of unrighteousness is is rejection, is death. He disciplines his people, but the final thing is we they they know now they need mediation. Look at what it says, the final part. Verse thirty. Moses said to the people, You've committed a great sin, but now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement. How would you feel (laughs) after God dealt with those 3,000 you had to drink from the waters that came from the mountain and were mixed with gold dust, burnt gold dust? It kind of tastes good. And he goes, and the the covenant, the, the stones are broken. Perhaps... Perhaps you'll be okay. And what's the result? Here's the result. And this is this is the this is mysterious when you look at this. If you just look at this just from the Old Testament perspective, if you just think about it from from just this point of view of Moses, he goes, Perhaps I can atone. He goes and against and pleads for God to to uh, overlook their sin, to forgive them their sin, and he gives himself as a substitute. Take me instead, and God says, "No." And then he doesn't accept the atoning sacrifice that Moses offers himself, and he says, my angel will go before them and take them to the promised land. What do you do with that? (laughs) That makes no sense. Just If you're just reading the story, this makes absolutely no sense. There's no atonement, and God is going to show compassion and lead them and take them. Now there's going to be a There's going to be punishment to come, but he's still faithful to his covenant. There's sobering words here that says each person will have to pay for his own sin, but yet he doesn't exact his wrath at that moment, right? His just wrath 
could come down upon them. As he said, this is, this is righteous, a righteous judgment. But he says, I'm not going to accept you, Moses. Yet, I will lead them. Go lead the people to the place I spoke of. My angel will go before you. When the time comes for me to punish, I will punish them for their sin. Again, he holds that, that tension, that tension we feel in parenting, that tension we see all throughout this text. There's mercy, there's, there's, there's compassion, and yet there's this truth that sin deserves punishment. But it doesn't make sense here until you look at this through the lens of Jesus Christ. Because what has this shown us? You and I deserve what? Wrath. You and I deserve God's infinite displeasure and rejection. And yet, because He's compassionate and merciful, He sends not a mediator, not an imperfect man like Moses. He sends Jesus, His Son, fully God, fully man, to be the mediator required. Jesus doesn't just come to show us how to live. Jesus doesn't just come. He does come to renew us, but He came to be the sacrifice to pay for all our sins. And I want us just this morning to, 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 re- to dwell on that. That the sin, the sin here... This, this grievous sin of God's people. Who, why, why did God keep moving forward with them and take them to the promised land? Because of what? The future mediation of Jesus Christ. Moses, his offer is rejected. He's not good enough. He's not perfect. He's not sinless. He can't be in the place of someone else. He can't stand in the gap. But he shows that we need someone to. And Jesus Christ, generations and generations later, comes and does just that. You and I, you Christian, are you secure in God's love? Yes. Are you, mere, are you, are you more than just a sinner? No, you are a child of God. But don't ever think that that, that that, Deliverance of that redemption came cheaply. Sin, covenant breaking, deserves death, deserves rejection. Moses learned that. God's people in Israel were beginning to learn it. You and I, when we think about Jesus on the cross, we are to think, how amazing it is that my sin would be imputed to Him. That my covenant breaking, my unrighteousness, which is daily, that Jesus would stand in the gap and plead and that His offer would be accepted. He said, take me. Take me, not them. That's God. That's Christ's heart for you and me. That's the Father's heart for you and me. Remember, John. If you read this, you could think you could come away thinking, "Oh, God's just this ogre. He's awful. He's he's mean." And Jesus is the one who pacifies him. No, remember John three sixteen. The most the verse we all memorize first. For God the Father. That's who he's talking about. So loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Perishing is what we deserve as unrighteous covenant breakers. But the good news of this text is that covenant breakers deserving judgment receive compassion from the covenant keeper through the work of His mediator, Jesus Christ. Idolatry. It's not, we read this sometimes and go, man, they're so stupid. These dumb Israelites. But that's our heart too. 
we look back and think, has God changed His mind? No, He's revealing what happens when... What happens through the work of mediation, through the work of an atoning sacrifice. Judgment should come about around all of our ears, around all of our heads, yet because of the, not the mediation of Moses, but the, the perfect mediator, the greater Moses, as we sang, He came and stood in the gap on our behalf. We as covenant breakers do deserve judgment, yet God, the covenant keeper, shows compassion to sinners through the work of of His mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Gracious God, um, humble us, sober us as we think about our sin, the sinfulness of sin, the ease in which we slip into idolatry, and how idolatry just yields more and more sin. Forgive us, O God, and we plead Your mercy. We plead... Your forgiveness, not based on our merits, but solely upon your glorious covenant-keeping nature, your desire to be compassionate and merciful, and you're in that mercy stepping in the gap and taking the righteous judgment our sins deserve. Lord God, we give you thanks that you keep your side of the covenant and ours too. What amazing love, what amazing grace. Lord, help us now as we partake of this meal to just be encouraged that we are accepted, that your sacrifice is for us. Your mediating work did accomplish its purpose. And though we are big sinners, we, receive, we have a bigger Savior. Drive that in our hearts through your word and through this sacrament. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. your attention to what's printed in our bulletin regarding the Lord's Supper. This is what we believe as as a church, as a faith Presbyterian church. The communion, also called the Lord's Supper, Eucharist, is the family meal of Christians. We invite all committed followers of Jesus Christ to share in this sacrament. Those who are baptized members of a congregation that proclaims the gospel, who are at peace with God and their neighbor, and who seek strength to live in a deeper communion with Jesus. If you're not a Christian or do not are not prepared to share in this meal, we encourage you to spend this time in prayer. We hope that this time is helpful to you as you consider your relationship with Jesus Christ and with his people, the church. We do have a greater Moses, a greater mediator who has come. And when he was with his disciples, he said just that, I'm about to, I'm about to give my, my body, shed my blood for you. I am going to be what Moses was not. The mediator. You could propitiate, you could turn away, absorb God's wrath on your behalf. Righteous judgment of God will come down upon me and you will be set free. You will receive my righteousness. That's what, that's the gospel. That's what we receive by, by grace through, through faith in Jesus Christ and that is, that is portrayed here in this meal. So, Christians, come and partake of this bread 
and the fruit of the vine, come and, and, and partake and know that the gospel is for you. Our Father everlasting, the all-creating One, God Almighty. Through Your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus our Savior. I believe in God the Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the and our defender suffered and crucified forgiveness is in you descended into darkness you rose in glorious light forever seated high I believe in God our Father I believe Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one, I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus, I believe in life eternal, I believe in the virgin birth, I believe in the saints' communion and in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. The night which Christ was betrayed, he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. As I'm ministering in his name, give this bread to you. He said, take and eat. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, and after giving thanks, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink from it, all of you. Let's pray. Lord God, we, um, we thank you for this meal. We thank you for your word. And we thank you that the, though there were trials and there were results of sin, that when your people, after this ordeal, they were led by the angel to the promised land. That this great sin, this on a national level, did not keep you from keeping your promise. Lord, we come. We have failed you this week in all kinds of ways. But we thank you that you have given us the gift of faith. And though it's weak, you've given it to us. And, and we, are, we look to you for forgiveness. We look to you to be our peace, to be our joy, and to lead us all the way home to you. You are faithful and just to do that. And we thank you for your sweet compassion, mercy, and infinite faithful love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing on Jordan Stormy Banks.
God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. Amen.